may be seated. And as you are, please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning confessing our need for you. For we are a sinful people. We are a people who constantly turn away from you and turn back to our sin. And so we ask you for your forgiveness. And we pray that you would make that forgiveness more real in our eyes, more true in our hearts, that we would understand the magnitude of your grace, your great grace, your grace which is greater than all our sin. I pray that we would realize how wonderful and marvelous and matchless that grace is and that we would love you all the more We would long to hear from you, long to hear your word, and that you would indeed speak to us now through your word, by your spirit. Speak to us. Teach us what we need to learn. Mold us into the people you want us to be. Make us truly your body. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in our third week now, I guess, on our series in the book of Leviticus. And last week, you'll recall, we we looked at some of the different offerings, the grain offering, the free will offering. We touched on the burnt offering. I told you we'd come back to that this week, and we will. We'll also look at the sin offering and the guilt offering offering a couple of the offerings that are in verses chapters four and five mainly and and as we look at these different offerings as we look at the different things they do we'll come to realize that there are some similarities that that go across all three of those the burnt offering the the sin offering and the guilt offering and there are some differences between them and I think it's helpful to see what those are and and how they might instruct us but first of all as we look at the, the the similarities what what all three sacrifice provide is the same thing, namely atonement. Now when we talk about atonement, if we're not familiar with the scriptures or if we haven't spent a lot of time studying this topic, it might seem like one of those kind of churchy words that we don't really understand uh, what it means. Uh, we use it sometimes, don't we? Uh, I'm a big sports fan and so so sometimes you'll hear it in the sports world, you know, there's a guy has a chance to kick a field goal and he misses the field goal, but then at the very end of the game, he gets another chance, right? And the game's on the line and the guy who ruined the game by missing it gets a chance to kick the field goal. And no doubt the announcers will say, here's a shot at atonement for him. A chance to make up for his mistake. Sometimes maybe it's in uh, other, other settings in in the business world, maybe, or or some other sense where you've you've lost something, you've you've made a mess of it, and now you can make up for it, you can you can make it better, and and so we say, oh, it, it's a chance for me to atone for my mistakes, uh, and and there's a sense in which the biblical concept of atonement follows along those lines. It certainly deals with our mistakes, but it doesn't deal so much with us making up for them. It doesn't deal with us making them right. What it 
at its core is, is this. Here's one definition I read. Atonement is the means by which sin and impurity are removed so that fellowship with the Lord can continue and his people can engage fully in his purposes for them. Basically, there's, there's kind of two functions of atonement here that are primary functions. One is that there's, there's ransom for the sinner from judgment. We talked about ransom, the idea of, of a sin being paid for, a penalty that is owed being paid for by another, a lesser payment being made than what is actually owed, but that payment being accepted by the one who is owed a payment as payment in full, even though it is less than the payment that was due. And so there is a ransom being made in atonement. And so that, that is one of the things, certainly, that we receive in it. We are no longer defined by our sin, and we are no longer bound to our sin's consequences because of the atonement that we have that God has granted us. There's also another thing, the purifying of the sinner from sin. You see, sin, sin corrupts us. It, it, it makes us dirty, if you will. It's kind of like if you, you know, go to the gym and you have a workout and, and you're just sweaty and filthy. and just, you, know, you, you, you see the person who, whose shirt is just drenched. You know, you can't find a dry spot on, on their whole shirt. Or, or maybe you've been out working in the garden and just dirt all up in your hair and on your face. And, and you're just absolutely filthy. We've all seen that before. We've all been that before. Let's face it. What atonement does is it washes you clean so that you are no longer filthy. You know, it's interesting that, that, that in Leviticus it talks a number of times about these these offerings being a pleasant aroma to the Lord. You know, and as I thought about that in this, this example, I thought of, of how when we we're dirty and sweaty and, and you know, you're stinky. I, you, you just smell bad. And you're not really pleasant to be around, are you? I, I mean, you know, you have somebody come home. You know, I, I know when I was playing basketball in high school, I'd come home from basketball practice and, and you know, my mom and dad, brother and sister, weren't too excited about me just plopping down at the dinner table with them. You know, go on and take a shower first. Get clean. And then we'll have fellowship with you. And you see, that's what atonement does. Atonement cleans us so that we might have fellowship with God. I think we get this. I think we understand this in general. The idea that we need atonement so that fellowship can be uh, can be reconstituted with God, that our sin breaks that fellowship. But it was interesting in that definition I read you before about atonement, there was another piece to it. It wasn't just that, that fellowship with the Lord continuing. He said also, so that the people of God can engage fully in his purposes for them. And I don't think we always realize this, but, but God has a purpose for us. It's not just that we would exist and, and have fellowship with him, but he has a purpose for us, namely that we would be the body of Christ, that we would uh, be those through whom his work is often outworking in our culture, in our country, in our world. He wants to work through us. And unless we have atonement, 
We cannot be used by God in this way. That's not to say he can't do work through us. Certainly he can. He works throughout the scriptures, through, through all kinds of people who, who are still lost in their sin. But you see, they don't get the joy of knowing that they are a part of God's outworking. See, God, God will do what God will do. He doesn't need us to do something. He doesn't need us to be a certain way for him to do it. He can accomplish what he wants to accomplish. But if we want to experience the joy of being a part of it, we need to have that fellowship with God that's reconstituted through atonement. And so atonement's a very important thing. It's a very important thing for us to experience. We have to realize it not just for how it makes us feel, but for how it makes us stand before God. And atonement was made by the priests as they presented these sacrifices on behalf of the people and on behalf of themselves. They brought these sacrifices. And you'll recall last week we said they brought them day after day and day and night. There was morning sacrifice and evening sacrifice that was made on behalf of the people. And then there were on the special occasions extra sacrifices that were made. All told, those accumulated up to uh, over a thousand sacrifices over the course of the year. And that's not even counting the sacrifices that were made for people, for individual uh, people who came with an animal to be sacrificed for their sin. And so there were thousands and thousands and thousands of sacrifices that were perpetually being made. Animals were being slaughtered. And, and, and as we read in Leviticus 4, it was very vivid. It's very graphic, isn't it? A person would bring this animal and they, they would place their hand on the animal, thereby identifying with the animal, saying, saying, What is about to happen to this animal is what I deserve to have happen to me. May it be such that that this animal would take on my guilt. And I admit that this is what I deserve. And then that animal would be killed right there. It wasn't like they took took it back off to the slaughterhouse somewhere and did it. But right there, the person brought the animal and with their hand on the head the animal it was killed and, and there was a lot of blood it was it was you know if you're kind of squeamish around blood I don't know how you would have survived because because it was everywhere when you start to think of all the sacrifices continually going on day after day and moment by moment sacrifice after sacrifice and and, and really it, it must have been a very graphic thing. It got your attention. It helped you to realize, I think, how big a deal sin is in the eyes of God. You know, it's easy for us to think in terms of, of sin sometimes like, well, you know, I kind of messed up. I did something I wasn't supposed to do. You know, oh, well, I'll, God will get over it. But God says No. There is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Life needs to be given up for your sin and for mine. They realized the cost of sin and they realized the need they had for atonement. And so they brought an animal. They made a sacrifice. But we need to realize that, that these sacrifices are still a matter of grace. It's not something they did to earn forgiveness, but rather it is a matter of God's grace. He, 
He gave them a sacrificial system that allowed for them to have a way out. He didn't even need to do that, right? He could have just said, you know, you messed up. End of story. You're gone. But he didn't do that. He instead gave a sacrificial system to them. Leviticus 17 verse 11 says, The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to, for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. See, he says, I've given you this sacrificial system to make atonement. I've done that. That is a gracious act on God's behalf to give this sacrificial system to us. And even beyond that, we see God's grace in this, that, that as they brought forth these animals and sacrificed them there, we need to realize there was no real value in that sacrifice by itself per se. It's kind of like this. If, if I pulled out my checkbook and wrote you a check for a million dollars and then handed it to you, you might be really excited for a moment until you realized that there's really no worth in that check. See, it's just a piece of paper and it says something on it. The only thing that would make that check actually valuable was if I had a million dollars in the bank. And I assure you, I do not. (laughs) And so... That check, which looks to be and and purports to be so valuable, is really of no value at all. And so it is with those sacrifices. If there was not something of value standing behind them, they would have no value at all. Just be a dead animal. Nothing more. But there is a thing of great value standing behind them. Namely, the righteousness of Christ Jesus. You see, God has that in the bank. And with it, Jesus makes good on the check that is those sacrifices. Those sacrifices that the people made time and time and time again, you see, because Jesus is the the perfect man, perfectly holy in all his ways, perfectly righteous in all his being, but not only that, he was also the perfect priest offering sacrifices for his people. Beyond that, he is the perfect sacrifice, paying the ransom for the sins of his people. He is that male without blemish that is offered up to God on on behalf of his people for their sins so that they might have Atonement, And here's the beautiful thing. Whereas those sacrifices went on time and time and time and time and time and time again. And had to be repeated one after another after another after another. And the blood was always flowing and the fire was always burning. And it never ceased. But in Christ Jesus, on the cross, we have a sacrifice that is once for all time. And need not be repeated. In fact, cannot be repeated. It is a finished work on the cross for your sins and for mine. The ultimate expression of God's grace. He is the one to whom Leviticus's sacrifices point. He is our atonement. Now there are some differences between the different sacrifices in Leviticus. Uh, uh, In chapter 
4, we see the sin offering. We, we read about that before. It's interesting. It specifically says at the beginning of chapter 4, uh, the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, If anyone sins unintentionally, he goes on to say what we should do about that. Now, that might have caught your attention when we were reading that, if anyone sins unintentionally, because... You know, we think of sin, don't we, as, as being kind of a matter of the heart. You know, it's not just a matter of what you do. It's really what's in the heart that matters. You know, if you, you know, you talk about, you know, it's not just murdering somebody, but if you have hatred in your heart, you've already, you've already committed murder. We talk about uh, committing adultery, but if you have lust in your heart, you've already done it. So, so it seems that the Bible often tells us that it's the heart that matters. And that is indeed true. We can sin in our heart without actually actively going and doing some act but sin is an objective category and so it is possible that we can sin even even without intending to it could be something where we don't know the law not aware of it we're just unaware that we are sinning i perhaps you've had this uh reality in your life at some point where you were driving down the road doing 45 just like you're supposed to a police officer pulls you over and says you were speeding you say no i wasn't i was doing 45 and he says well that's correct you were doing 45 but the speed limit's 25 well, we have a problem here you see you didn't intend to speed but you were speeding and the fact that you didn't intend to do it doesn't lessen the fact that you are just as guilty and so it is with god's law we are just as guilty of violating god's law even even when we aren't aware we are doing it or it could be a case where we know it's wrong but we weren't trying to break god's law you know again this works in our law as well you know sometimes uh if you murder a person we understand that's that's completely wrong you can't do that that's against the law uh we shouldn't murder but sometimes if, if you don't do it intentionally it can still be wrong it's called manslaughter you can go to jail for that even though you didn't mean to kill somebody, you can still go to jail for it. You see, we understand that, that even though you didn't mean to do it, that's, that's not an excuse. I hope my children realize that. Uh, you know, anybody who's had children's surely had this experience. You know, Two kids are, are arguing with each other, and maybe one of them ends up getting hurt or something. And, you know, and, and, and the one says, you know, such and such hurt me. What's the other one going to say? I didn't mean to do it. You know, well, it's irrelevant at this point, isn't it? What, what does that person need to do? They need to admit that they have hurt this person. They need to confess. They need to repent. And they need to seek forgiveness. And so it is with our sin, even when it is unintentional, we need to admit that there is wrongdoing. We need to confess it to the Lord and we need to seek his forgiveness. We need to not go on sinning, not just saying it's no big deal or I don't care to know, but rather we need to seek out where it is that we might be sinning so that God can show us, even though that might be painful, so that we can seek his forgiveness and God has made a way for forgiveness and what a wonderful thing that is that no matter what our circumstances he has a way for forgiveness for us 
Just like he did with the varying types of sacrifices last week. Remember when we talked about the burnt offering and how there was uh, a different type of sacrifice uh, that was made for a person. You know, if you had a, you know, a, a, a animal from the herd, you know, you'd give that. But if you couldn't afford that, you gave one from the flock, and if not that, one from the from the birds. It's the same thing in chapter five with the guilt offering. God once more makes a way. We see. Says they bring out a lamb or a goat, but if you cannot afford that, then you are to bring two turtle doves or two pigeons. And if you can't afford that, you're supposed to bring some fine flour, about, you know, it says a tenth of an ephah that comes out to about two liters. You know, think of a two liter bottle of soda. It's about that much. He's, you know, God provides a way, no matter, no matter who you are, no matter what your circumstances, no matter how much wealth you have, no matter how much sin you have there is a way for forgiveness which is good because every one of us needs it every one of us is a sinner and in chapter 4 he goes through different groups he talks about first the priest in verses 3 through 12 he talks about the priest and how the priest can uh, bring forgiveness uh, you know the priest wasn't holy and neither is your pastor by the way we're all sinners we're all in the same place before God, sinners in need of his grace, in need of salvation that comes only through him. And so we need to confess and repent and seek forgiveness. In verse 13 through 21 of chapter 4, he talks about the sin of the whole congregation. Maybe a whole congregation sins in something. Or, or verses 22 to 26, he talks about the leader of a congregation. Or talks about a common individual in verses 27 through 35. That there are different groups of people here. He talks about, he's saying, for each of them, whatever you are, he, he has a way for salvation for you. You know, and it's interesting, isn't it? That God is interested in making atonement for all types of people. For all sorts of people, for all sorts of backgrounds. Maybe you sit here today and you say, you know, God, God couldn't really forgive me. You see, you don't understand what's in my background. You don't understand the, the things that I did when I was younger. Maybe you don't understand the things that I did just recently. You might be sitting there saying, you know what? You, you don't understand the things I did yesterday. The thoughts I had the things I looked at, the arguments and hateful feelings that I felt. Maybe it's the damage I did to other people's reputation or the damage I did to myself. But I promise you this, no matter what you have done, a long time ago or recently, no matter Where you come from, you stand here today before a God who offers atonement for all types of sins. And here's the wonderful thing, not just for all types of sin, but for sin itself. You see, we stand before God guilty even before we do any of those things. As David wrote in Psalm 51, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother 
conceive me. You see, sin is not just an action, something we do, but it is a condition, a condition into which we are all born as sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. We, because of Adam's sin in the garden, inherit that sinful state. And we need atonement not just for the individual sins we commit, but for the sinful state in which we find ourselves. And that's what the chapter one, what the burnt offering specifically was for. Not for specific instances of sin, but for the general sinfulness in which we find ourselves. And so as that offering was brought forth, God's wrath need no longer be poured out upon the sinner, but rather is poured out upon the sacrifice. And his his removal of that sin his cleansing from that sin is symbolized by the flowing of the blood but we must remember that those sacrifices those sacrifices pointed to that greater sacrifice that was Christ Jesus as Peter writes in 1st Peter chapter 1 You were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. And in Matthew 20, we read that even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He purchased us out of, of sin and paid the penalty we owed for sin and Paul writes in Titus 2 that Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works who wouldn't want that who wouldn't want to be forgiven who wouldn't want to be purchased out of slavery who wouldn't want to be purified well here's one of the one of the little cat catches in that it can be painful you know if a precious metal was was purified you know how it was purified is it was placed in the fire and all the bad stuff's burned off and so it is a the purification process can be hard one of the the hard things about it is is as we look at our own sin. It's interesting, there's this repeated refrain I saw through verses, uh, chapter 4, 5, and the beginning of 6. Something that has to happen before such an offering can be given, that offering seeking for atonement. Chapter 4, verse 13, re, you know, th- this phrase shows up for the first time. It says, and they realize their guilt. Chapter 4, 22 and realizes his guilt. 4.27, and realizes his guilt. 5.2, and he realizes his guilt. 5.3, and he realizes his guilt. 5.4, and he realizes his guilt. 5.5, when he realizes his guilt. 5.17, then he realizes his guilt. 6.4, and has realized his guilt. 6.5, on the day he realizes his guilt. Guess what we need to do, people? We need to realize our guilt. And that's painful. That's hard. We don't like to think of ourselves as guilty. And yet we are. We need to realize our guilt. But at the same time, 
as we confess that sin and repent of it, we can know that we do have forgiveness. I acknowledged my sin to you, says the psalmist, and did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And those words that I said earlier in this service for 1 John, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a blessing it is. What a grace it is. And so there is another common refrain that I want to point us to in closing. Another common refrain that shows up in chapter 4, 26, chapter 4, verse 31, chapter 4, verse 35, and then in chapter 5, verse 10, and verse 13, and verse 16, and verse 18, and then again in chapter 6, verse 7. You know what this refrain says? The priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be forgiven what a grace that there is forgiveness there for us that we might be forgiven we realize God's grace in this that though we sin over and over and over again that there is grace for us at the same time if you were a Jew reading this the original audience I hope that what you would see in yourself is a stirring in your heart, a greater longing for a sacrifice that wouldn't need to be repeated, a sacrifice efficacious for all of our sins, for all of time, those that we're born with, those that we commit, those we know about, those that we don't. A longing that would not be satisfied until on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid so that here in the death of Christ we might live. Please pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the graciousness that we see in your law. We thank you that though Leviticus is about blood and animals and offerings and sacrifices, that as we look to it, we can see Jesus Christ. And we pray that you would help us to know that whether it was that original audience of Leviticus, whether it was the early church, whether it was us, or whether it was every last believer before you return, there is one means by which we might be saved. And that is in Christ alone. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Please rise with me.